Welcome, welcome all to an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter FC. This is Targo, and today we are looking at Match Day 5 in the Champions League, going over some of your questions, and with Garnacho's amazing bicycle kick over the weekend in the Premier League, we are going to rank the top five best bicycle kicks we have ever seen. This is Bruise and Banter, and it starts right now. Some of you might be thinking, where is Redbeard on this lovely evening? Well, he is off starting his own company, personal training company. So if any of you in the Spokane area looking to get into some shape, make sure you hit him up. Or you can hit us up on our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. But it's just me as we go over Match Day 5 in the Champions League. And it was an entertaining one at that. Let's start in Group E. We had Lazio against Celtic. This one ended 2-0 for Lazio. Honestly, I'm over Celtic right now, man. I picked them to go get out of this group. And they are not getting out of this group. They were going to finish dead last in this group. But good win for Lazio. Other result in this group, we had Feyenoord taking on Atletico Madrid. Atletico, they won 3-1. Honestly, looking good at Letty. Looking good. They're going to finish probably top of this group. We'll see. It's still close between them and Lazio, but Lazio and Atletico are guaranteed to go through to the next round. Feyenoord is guaranteed that Europa League spot. And if you haven't watched this game, there is a golazo in this game from Mario Hermoso. Center back of all players. Center back. Beautiful ball over the top. And just a wicked volley from a tight angle. I don't know how he does it. It was amazing. Must check it out. Santi Jimenez, a guy I've been flying high on, man. The Mexican forward did get an own goal in this game. A little bit unlucky. It was a free kick. Kind of goes off the top of the dome into the back of the net. What can you do? Honestly, watching this uh, Atleti Feyenoord game, I cannot believe there weren't more goals. There were so many chances. So many chances. Ugh. Oh, it was it was a fun game to watch. Would recommend. We'll move on, though, to Group H. This one, we saw Shakhtar Donetsk taking on Royal Antwerp. This one would end 1-0 to Shakhtar. The other game in this group saw Barcelona taking on Porto. And Barcelona won it 2-1. Barcelona looking good in this group. They are through to the next round. But second place, still very much up for grabs. You have Porto and Shakhtar, both on nine points. And they play each other in match day six. So that could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Because whoever wins that game goes through to the next round. So one one to look at. But let's go over this Barca-Porto game. It was all about the Jaos in this one for Barcelona. Jao Cancelo with a goal. Jao Felix with a goal. Honestly, that first goal from João Cancelo, man, that guy was so hyped. So hyped. It was so intense. He looked like he was going to go Super Saiyan. He was yelling vamos at the top of his lungs. It was wild. Great passion. Great passion for him. But I do want to talk about Barcelona a little bit. Some of their wingers, you know, we saw Rafinha in this game and... 
I'm going to be honest, man. I am not a Rafinha fan. When you think about some of the wingers Barcelona have had, Rafinha is just not up to the quality of some of these Barcelona wingers of years past. I mean, obviously you had Messi coming off the right. But I mean, you think of Neymar, Julie, Ronaldinho, Luis Vigo, Pedro, Alexis Sanchez, David Villa even. I mean, just Rafinha is not up to it. He really needs to step it up or go somewhere else. I mean, he came from Leeds United, and honestly, he probably is about that level, in my opinion. Kind of a mid-table Premier League team, if I'm being honest. Yeah, not a fan. But let's move on. We had the group of death, man. This one was intense. We had Milan against Dortmund. This one ended 3-1 to Dortmund. And this was a very entertaining match. Defending optional. There was so much space in the midfield, especially in that first half. It seemed like the players had acres and acres of space. It was pretty much going from 18-yard box to 18-yard box, which as a neutral, I won't complain. It was very entertaining to watch. But Milan, man, I was pulling for him in this game, if I'm being honest. I was pulling for Milan. It started out fantastic for him. They get a PK in the sixth minute, handball off of Schlotterbeck, and Giroud would step up to take the PK. Could not convert. Saved. And then Dortmund would get a PK just a few minutes later. Jamie Bino-Gittens. Foul in the box. Marco Royce would step up, take it, convert it. 1-0 to Dortmund in the 10th minute. But I loved Milan's equalizer. Samuel Chakwese, man, he dribbled down that line, cut into that left foot. Beautiful goal. Curler. Curler. Lovely goal. Final Gittens would uh, port do- put Dortmund in the lead in the 59th with a nice first-time finish into the bottom corner, and then Dortmund would get their third through super sub Kareem Adeyemi in the 69th. After I, I kind of think Magic Mike Manion should have saved it, if I'm being completely honest. He gets a big hand to it, but it just kind of slowly rolls over the line. They had to use the goal line technology for that one. But I thought he should have done a little better. He got a good hand to it. And I gotta say, man, Dortmund in the Champions League, they are a different beast. They are flying high. They are through to the next round in this tough group. Versus Bundesliga, they're, eh, well, eh, not doing the best, not doing terrible, I would say. They had a fantastic uh, last game out, a thriller. Make sure you check those highlights of that Bundesliga game. But Milan, man. They were really missing Rafael Leao, who was out injured. And this is an interesting group. So we'll get to the result of the next group. We'll just we'll just go into the next game. We'll go to the next game that saw PSG hosting Newcastle. This one ended 1-1. Newcastle, they took a, a lead through Alexander Isak. Some wonderful play by Livermento. But Donnarumma, what are you doing, dude? Parries a ball just right back into the danger area for Isak just to tap in, honestly. Poor goalkeeping. And what was he trying to do? Was he trying to catch it? Was he just trying to bury it to the side? He didn't do either. It 
ended up right at the foot of Alexander Isak. And then Newcastle, they would hold on for a majority of the game, kind of an onslaught, PSG trying to do something. But their finishing was not very good. Honestly, like with this PSG team, guys, if Mbappe doesn't score or if Mbappe is not in form, this PSG team can't win. I mean, Usman Dembele, Colomowani, Funcalo Ramos, they just, they're not Mbappe. They, it seems like they lost that killer touch. Colomowani was fantastic last year at Frankfurt. Funcalo Ramos, fantastic at Benfica last season. Usman Dembele, I mean, has he ever really been fantastic? He has moments, I would say. But his finishing is not there. And if Mbappe doesn't score, PSG don't win, man. Well, Mbappe did score through a little bit of controversy, shall we say. Just just a tad bit. A smidgen of controversy for a handball. Unlevermento. There's no way this is a handball, guys. No way. No way this is a handball. It comes off of Vermento's chest, hip, whatever you want to call it. Bounces off of his body onto his arm. The VAR tells the on-field referee to go take a look at it. Takes a look, awards the penalty. Mbappe finishes it. And this is at the very death. Second half stoppage time. But I mean, what is Livermento supposed to do? It was deemed his arms were in a natural running position. Later, later it was deemed. Which is true. I mean, when you're running like that, you got your arms are out a little bit. How far away was he from the ball? A yard? Two? Max? And again, it comes off of his body and onto his arm, which again, I know that doesn't, that rule doesn't apply in UEFA, in the Champions League. But it would come out later that this penalty should not have been awarded. Those VAR officials, they did not partake in the second day of that match, of round five of the match day in the Champions League. They were booted out. They were scheduled to be VAR in a game, and nope, they were not. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough if you're a Newcastle fan, especially, because you defended so well for so long, played your hearts out, only for a shocking penalty to be awarded to the other team. I mean, UEFA have come out and said it was wrong for VAR to advise a spot kick. But, ends in a draw. Dortmund, like I mentioned, topped a, are top, about to top the group. They're already through to the next round. PSG, they're in second, seven points. Newcastle in third with five. Milan in fourth with five. It's going to make for a crazy last day in the group of death as PSG face Dortmund and Newcastle face Milan. PSG, they're through if they win, or if there's a draw in the other game, and uh, Newcastle or Milan, they have to win and hope PSG lose. So it's going to be a crazy match day six in that group of death. But going back to this game, honestly, it reminded me of when Dortmund went to St. James's Park and faced Newcastle. Kind of the roles were reversed. Newcastle were having to defend for their lives against PSG, but they couldn't get all three points like Dortmund did at St. James's. But this was a, again, it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Newcastle fan. 
for us Arsenal fans, all I can say is it's karma. Moving on to Group G. We had Young Boys taking on Cravena Zvezda. This one ended 2-0 to Young Boys. Not much to talk about there. I mean, Young Boys, they're they're pretty much guaranteed that Europa League spot. Cravena Zvezda, they're, they're out. They're done. Which brings us to the big game in that group. We had Man City taking on RB Leipzig. This one ended 3-2 to Man City. What a game. Good job to you, RB Leipzig. You came out to play. And play they did, especially in that first half. They gave City a run for their money. Unfortunately, it just wasn't quite quite enough. Not quite. Luis Openda, man. It was a one-man show. He gave the slip to uh, Akanji and Ruben Diaz. He scored two goals in the first half. RB Leipzig were flying high. I wasn't watching this game live, so I was checking it on my phone, but I saw it halftime. Holy shit, RB Leipzig are up 2-0. Could they win this? Could they beat Man City? No, no, they couldn't. Pretty much at halftime, Pep said, go win. Go win, and they did. Erling Holland, man. The robot, the inevitable, would start the comeback in the 54th. What a ball from Phil Foden that would put him through. What a ball. But that's Holland's 40th goal in the Champions League. Fastest player to do so. It's crazy. He's amazing. That is the best $60 million any club has ever spent. Not just Man City, but any club. That is the best 60 mil they have ever spent. Phil Foden, he leveled the match in the 70th after some lovely play from City. Poor marking, kind of Foden had access. He had acres, sorry. Foden had acres of space. At the top of the box, scores it. Alvarez would get the winner in the 87th. Again, lots of space in the box. He had time for two touches before he even shot the ball. Ugh, Leipzig, I was rooting for you. Got to root for an underdog in this one. But, man, City. City steamrolling. They are perfect. 15 points. Looking good. Leipzig, he will finish second in that group. At least making it to the next round. And, yeah, City, man. Probably the favorites to win this again. They just, they look too good. They look too good. Well, let's move on to Group A. Group A is a very interesting group, for me at least. I think it's one of the most interesting outside the group of death. It has Bayern Munich, Manchester United, FC Copenhagen, and Galatasaray. Galatasaray hosting Manchester United at the Rams Park in Istanbul was one heck of a game. This game, I'm glad I watched it. That's all I can say. I am glad I watched this game. It was exciting. It was fun. It's not the Manchester United I'm used to. Most of us are probably used to them playing attacking football. They probably had to play attacking football because, well, they needed to win. Unfortunately for Manchester United, this one ended in a 3-3 draw. And United, man, they would blow two-goal lead. Two-goal lead they had. Garnacho and Bruno, they score in the 11th and 18th. Garnacho, man, he is seems to be catching some form. He scored an amazing bicycle kick. 
He got a goal again here in the Champions League. Bruno Man scores a golasso from all 20 yards out. Unfortunately, their goalkeeper, Andre Onana, took the headlines in this match, man. A uh, couple of free kicks. We'll start with the first one. Onana kind of gets caught cheating. Gets caught cheating, yeah. Should have done better. But the second goal. The second goal, man. It goes through his hands. Not sure what he was doing there. Again, was he trying to catch it? Or was he trying to parry it? Either way, he didn't neither and just let it go through. And then Arctokoglu gets a goal in the 71st to tie it up after McTominay had made it 3-1. And again, beats Onana near post. Beats him near post. You know, as a goalie, you never like being beat near post. I, I will give credit because this was it was a rocket of a shot. But still, still harsh. I mean, Gala had a shout for a PK in the 15th after the ball hit McTominay's arm. This was a weird one because the arm looks like it kind of moves towards the ball, but his arm is also at his side. So I, 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 this was a weird one. As a neutral, you know, not cheering for really any of these teams, it was kind of one of those, whatever which way the ref called it, sure, I'll go with that. But as a United fan, I would definitely feel hard done by. As a Galatasaray fan, I'm sure you're swiping that brow, sweating, saying, thank you, referee. So, tough decision that didn't go United's way, but, man. Why didn't Mano start? That was one of my questions. He played so well against Everton at the weekend, but then doesn't get the start here against Galatasaray. I think Kobe Mano can feel a little hard done by, but at the same time, United did play well. I think that's what we've been waiting for, is for them playing well. You know, there's some positives to take from this game. They are still technically in it, although it's very slim. They're in, Man United are in last place on four points. You have Copenhagen Galatasaray in second and third, both with five points. And Bayern runaway leaders on 13 points. So Man United have to basically beat Bayern Munich at Old Trafford and hope Copenhagen and Galatasaray draw. Not good. Not good favor there for Man United. Not a doesn't look like they'll go through, but there is a chance, so never give up hope. We've seen wilder things in this game we love called football. But if I'm being completely honest, after watching the teams in this group, I am rooting, I think, for Copenhagen. I love the way they've played. You know, I, I don't think we were expecting this for them to give a fight to Galatasaray, Manchester United, and Bayern Munich. They've played well against all three of them. So if I'm rooting for a team, I am rooting for Copenhagen. Plus, I love their away jerseys. I think they're slick. They're like black and blue. Love them. Go Copenhagen. All right, moving on to Group B. First game we have Sevilla hosting PSV. This was a wild game, man. Sevilla were up 2-0 and somehow let this one slip. The first goal scored by Sergio Ramos in the 24th. 
barely skims the bottom of his boot and goes in. So I guess he can claim it. And then Yusuf and Naziri double the lead in the 47th. And then we have the downfall of Sevilla. Lucas Ocampos, man, gets a red in the 66th. Pretty much two yellows in 30 seconds. First one was for arguing. And then he goes into a late tackle. Obvious yellow. Sent off. And the PSV comeback commences. Ismail Saibari in the 68th. Lovely volley. Kind of had to reach back for it. Side foots it. Top bins. Lovely finish. OG by Sevilla in the 81st. Can't give defender too much fault. He's running towards the goal. The ball comes at him kind of in his midsection. Kind of fumbles over the line. Sucks. PSV get, get a late winner from the American, Ricardo Pepe. Beautiful header in the 98th. And with that win, that puts PSV through to the next round. Along with the other team in this group, we had Arsenal hosting Lons. Arsenal won 6-0, thrashing Lons. They go through, top of the group. They're, everything's done and dusted for Arsenal. Emphatic win. They were up 5-0 by halftime. Goals by Havertz, Jesus, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard. And then in the second half, Jorginho would score PK. Simple enough for them. So Arsenal and PSV are through in that group. Arsenal plays PSV in match day six. Lons plays Sevilla in match day six. And Sevilla have to win in order to make it to their Europa League spot, which we all know they love. They love that Europa League spot. It's their home. It's where they thrive. We'll see if they can do that match week six. Group C. This had Real Madrid hosting Napoli. This was the game I was watching. And it didn't disappoint as well. This one ended 4-2 to Real Madrid. What a game, man. Napoli actually got off first in the ninth minute through Giovanni Simeone, where the ball just barely crosses the line, but just made it over. But Madrid, man, they respond immediately. Immediately. Rodrigo, man, coming off the left, cuts it onto his right foot. Curler, fantastic strike. Beautiful. Real Madrid would take the lead through who else? Jude Bellingham. Guy's just scoring for fun for Real Madrid. Lovely header from him. But I gotta give props to the ball from David Alaba to Jude Bellingham. That was a fantastic ball. Great header. Just fantastic goal. Right after the break, though, Napoli would equalize through Anguissa. Powerful strike. Real Madrid would get their third after a howler from the Napoli goalkeeper. Alex Maret would let Nico Passa's shot just pretty much go through his hands. Another terrible goalkeeper mistake. Cost Napoli. Madrid would settle it in stoppage, second half stoppage time. Jolisu would have the easiest of tap-ins. And yeah, man. Real Madrid, perfect so far in the Champions League. They are sitting pretty. Top of the group, 15 points. Napoli in second on seven points. They do have a little bit of work to do, which we'll get into. But I gotta say, man, holy injuries for Madrid. While I was watching this game, they took a shot of the sideline. And on the sideline, just in a group there, waiting for the game to be over, you had Edermili Tao, Thibaut Courtois, 
Luka Modric, Eduardo Camavinga, Penny Jr. And then Rodrigo came off in this game, limping a little. Looks like he's holding a hamstring. Hopefully it's just a bit of cramp and not a pulled hammy, but injuries galore there for Man City. And those are fantastic players. Those are all starters in this team. Could be starters. Maybe Modric, Camavinga. They've been a little wishy-washy, but I mean, oh, that is that is a hurt sideline right there. The other game in this group, we had Braga hosting Union Berlin. And this one, it was a goal in each half. Robin Gosens was scored for Union Berlin, only to be canceled out by Alvaro Jalo in the 51st by Braga. And I don't know, man, this shot that Braga scored, the Union goalkeeper, man, I don't know what he was doing. The shot was blasted at him. I'll give him that. But he just kind of like fell sideways and the ball went over him. What is he doing? I don't know. I'm not a goalkeeper. Never claimed to be, but if he would have stayed standing up, he would have saved that. So I don't know. In this game, I also have to point this out. I saw one of the worst dives I've ever seen in a long time, man. And I've seen it in a long time. It was a terrible dive. Toussart for Berlin took a terrible dive. I don't know why he did it. He got the yellow, but like, why would you dive nowadays? VAR is going to look at this. Like, he had no one touching him. It was just a blatant, terrible, terrible dive. Shame. Shame on you, Toussart. Don't dive like that. But I got to talk about Union Berlin, man. I know Redbeard, he was high on them last season in the Bundesliga, which they did great in. But I honestly, they might be maybe the worst team in the Champions League. Them or Royal Antwerp. So currently, Union Berlin, they have two points. There are other teams that also only have two points, like Sevilla. And there's even teams with one point or zero points, like Antwerp, Cravena Zvezda, and even Celtic, Benfica. But for example, if Union Berlin were to play Sevilla, I, I would expect Sevilla to win. Even Union Berlin against Benfica, Celtic, Carvena Zvezda, I've actually been a little impressed with watching them play. They create chances at least. But man, this Union Berlin team, they drew this game being up a man for an hour. For an hour. So not a little bit of the game. Most of the game. Two-thirds of the game, they were up a man and manage a draw. That's not very good. That is not very good, guys. That is terrible. Union Berlin are not playing well. Again, definitely top, probably three, worst team in the Champions League this season. Points-wise, they're not. But the way they play, and just the way they concede goals, how they can't score goals, they are not very good. At all. But that group, we had Real Madrid, and they're in 15 points, first place. And like I said, Napoli, they're in second with seven points. Braga's in third with four points. Napoli do have a little bit of work to do. They have to win their next game against Braga. So if Braga win, they could potentially be through. So Napoli, again, like I said, just a little bit of work to do. Even a draw gets them through. So we'll see how they how they manage. In Group D, 
We had Real Sociedad against RB Salzburg. This one ended nil-nil. I gotta say, this gotta say, the Salzburg goalkeeper Schlager keeps him in this one, man. Guy made some fantastic saves. Salzburg, they really had one clear-cut opportunity. They got through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. The forward chips it over the goalkeeper, and it went wide. Sociedad, they are through to the next round. Salzburg, it looks like they got that Europa League spot. The other game in this group saw Inter Milan taking on Benfica. And honestly, Benfica started really well in this one. João Mario for Benfica would score a hat trick all before the 34th minute. But Inter Milan, man, they did start with a pretty makeshift team. I would call it their B team. They get back into it with goals from Marco Arnatovic, Davide Fratesi, and Alexis Sanchez from the spot. Beautiful volley from Fratesi. Definite foul on Turam for the PK that Alexis Sanchez scores. Antonio Silva would be sent off for Benfica in the 86 after a yellow card was upgraded to a red. VR had the ref go look at it. I don't think it was a red man. It was it was kind of studs on the back of the heel, but I mean it wasn't too high. I've I've seen worse. Yeah. But like I said, Inter Sociedad through Salzburg onto the Europa League. Benfica are out. Out! Benfica, man. They are missing Concalo Ramos and Alejandro Grimaldo. That is for sure, because they do not look like the team they did last year. So that is our Champions League roundup. It's It was a wild week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to like, subscribe to the YouTube, follow us on Instagram. And let me know, what was your favorite game from this match week, day five? I think mine might have been that Manchester United Galatasaray. That was a fun game. It was wild. But let's get to some listener questions. So we posted on our Instagram earlier this week on what are your biggest pet peeves in football at the moment and so i'm going to read a couple responses that we got one of them was international break injuries being a pet peeve which i agree with that is a huge pet peeve this follower he especially mentioned the injury to rafael leao and how that will hurt milan's chances for progressing through to the round of 16 in the Champions League. And this was before that game took place when this comment came through. And I agreed 100%, man. Rafael Leao missing from AC Milan is a huge loss. And you can definitely tell they were missing him in that game. There were a lot of other injuries, though, in that last international break. I mean, we saw Gavi, he's out for the season. Camavinga's out for a while. Warren Zaire Emery for PSG is out for the rest of the season. Vinny Jr. is out. So there was a lot of injuries. I think I got to sympathize for Barcelona and that Gavi injury because Gavi has been phenomenal for Barca. And they are definitely going to miss him. The other pet peeve we had is all the ragging on Manchester United when they sit sixth in the Premier League. 
and are only six points off of leaders, Arsenal. Kind of valid, I think. I know Redbeer and I, we have been ragging on Manchester United. It's probably a little too easy with the new ownership, with the players' off-field issues. The way they've been playing, honestly, is not the most attractive. They don't really play with an identity, and then they've had injuries. You know, Lissandro Martinez, you see some of these expensive signings possibly turning into flops. And so they are easy to rag on, to make fun of, to banter about. But when it comes to results, at least in the Premier League, they're hard to banter with. I mean, they've got four out of five wins. Their last loss was that Man City game, which, okay, they lost to Man City. That's honorable, I guess. It's t- they're a tough team to beat Man City. And I, But my, the one thing I would say is they're beating these teams that they probably should be beating. And so that's, I guess, what I would have to say about Manchester United and the ragging on them is, I mean, they beat Everton, Luton, barely scraped by them, barely scraped by Fulham. And so it's, they're games they should be winning. And they have a couple losses to Newcastle in the League Cup, Man City, I mentioned. But then again, a, a 2-1 win against Sheffield. Those are teams they, they should be beating, Manchester United. And so I think that's where the ragging is coming from. It's the way they're playing. Against any really good team, they struggle. They played well against Galatasaray, though. Like I said, they played great attacking football, probably because they had to. They had to win that game in order to progress. And so I think that's why we're seeing it. But yeah, Man United, though, I will stop harping on them too much because they are not far off in the league. I mean, we've been praising Tottenham and their fantastic season. United's only two points back of them. So I agree. Time to start. Stop bantering on United, at least for the time being. We can hop over to Chelsea because we know how they're played. All right. One of the other responses we got. So what are you sick and tired of? What's your biggest pet peeve at the moment? Obviously, it's going to be VAR. Lots of them were VAR. We all know VAR sucks, guys. I mean, this one's obvious. The consistency has just been subpar, not only in the Prem, but the Bundesliga, La Liga. We saw it in the Champions League. Did see Premier League is looking to hire former players and to get them trained ASAP, so we'll see if that helps. And honestly, that was one of my suggestions we had on a previous episode, which I will link. You guys should check it out. It's uh, basically five ways to improve VAR. So make sure you check out that episode so I won't talk too much on this subject because we have gone into it into detail so make sure you check it out but moving on with Alejandro Garnacho's bicycle kick that he scored at the weekend against Everton we wanted to rank what are the best bicycle kicks that we've seen there's been quite a few of them you know, some honorable mentions, I would say, is Christian Benteke's against United for Liverpool. Um, I remember a amazing Ronaldinho one where he picks the ball out of the air and then bicycle kicks it. Redbeard had a couple honorable mentions, and Andy Carroll bicycle kick, and Emre Shan one versus Watford. But we're going to go over our top five, 
And I'll start with my top five. My number five top bicycle kick I've seen was Philip Mexis against Anderlecht for AC Milan in the Champions League. What a bicycle kick. He's probably at the top of the 18. He's kind of running back. I think just gets a hold of this ball. Beautiful finish. Ironically, that was also Redbeard's number five top bicycle kick he's seen. My number four was Alejandro Garnacho's against Everton, man. That one was sweet. He has to run back for the ball. Dilo crosses the ball, and so he has to kind of move back for it. And he just, the connection he gets is amazing. He catches that flush, not like the Rooney goal, where Rooney kind of shins it. Garnacho catches it flush. My number three is, honestly, I've never seen a goal like this. It is that Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal against England. He was all of 40 yards out. Somehow, I don't know why he even decides to bicycle it. He has Joe Hart coming at him, and he just thought, you know what? I'm just going to bike it. From all 40 yards out, it goes in. I don't know how it goes in. I mean, that was wild. Incredible goal. I just remember seeing it like, did that just happen? Like, what? No, he didn't just try that. And then he tries it. It goes in. Amazing. Amazing goal. My number two is Gareth Bale against Liverpool in the Champions League final. How is this not anyone in anyone's top five? Not only is it just the technique, the way he catches the ball, but the occasion. This is a Champions League final. And so for that reason, it is my number two. My number one is Cristiano Ronaldo. That goal against Juve in the Champions League. I mean, it is just probably the most athletic goal you'll probably ever see. He is seven feet in the air when he catches that ball. And he catches it flush, perfect. I remember watching that game just shocked. I remember watching the Juve fans stand up and applaud during that game because they couldn't believe it. I remember the reaction from Zinedine Zidane where he's just owing, just oh, and he's shaking his hand, just could not believe it. Like he knew that was something special. That is my number one. It is just an amazing goal. I, I, again, just the cleanest bicycle kick, the most athletic bicycle kick you may ever see. And I know there are some other ones out there, but I didn't watch them live. For example, I know there's a QPR bicycle kick out there. That's also amazing. But I didn't watch that game. And I didn't see it live. So these are the ones we just saw live. I mentioned Redbeard's number five was the Philippe Mexis versus Anderlecht. Redbeard's number four is the Ronaldo against Juve. All the way at number four. Ooh. I'm going to have to question him on that one because that is too sweet of a goal to be at number four. His number three is the Zlatan goal against England. So that was my number three. I can respect that one. His number two is the Rooney versus Manchester City. I don't rate that one as highly. I understand the occasion. It's a fantastic occasion. Manchester Derby. It wins the game for 
Manchester United, but for me, it's the connection. It hits off his shin, and it's there's always a bit of luck with those with those bicycle kicks. I mean, let's be honest. You're throwing your foot, you're trying to hit it at goal, and if it happens to go top bins, then it does. But this comes off his shin. And so that's why I probably it's not my top five. Again, I've seen I've seen better in my opinion. That is my opinion. I'm gonna have to ask Redbeard why he has that at number two. Cause that one don't make sense to me, man. Redbeard's number one is Bale against Liverpool in the Champions League final. And I, I can understand why that one would be number one. Again, just because the occasion, Champions League final, big game. It was a clean, clean connection, beautiful cross. It is a lovely goal. It is. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode of Bruise and Banter. I hope you guys hope you guys enjoyed it, even though it was just Targo. We'll get Redbeard back here soon so we can get some real banter going. But you guys should definitely hop on our Instagram. Send us a message. We'll answer your questions. Make sure to look on our story for the questions that we post every week to get your answers up on here on the on the page. Onto the podcast, onto the YouTube channel. We love hearing from you guys. We'll post your questions, your concerns, and try to answer them best as we can. But on that note, guys, make sure to check out the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. As always, make sure to check out our Redbubble. Help us keep the channel going. We love you guys. Thank you so much. As always, cheers. <laughs>